And we're in part two of Surge. And we started this last week, just a two-part series. And uh, last week we started off in the, the early chapters of the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles, the first Christians. And we looked at things that they valued, what was important to them, what was happening, and how should we look to emulate that and imitate that. And that's a blueprint for us. And today we're continuing in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts 14, starting in verse 24. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, two leaders in particular, Paul and and Barnabas, and uh, their buddies at this point, and they um, get sent on on some missionary journeys. This is one example. They do a few of these, but this is one of the ones we're going to look at. And then they return from this missionary journey and they report to the church that that sent them all the things that God did uh, through them. And uh, as they're they're, they're traveling around, they're going to these uh, areas to spread the gospel. Um, They went to major cities. That's one of the things that we see that they're going to do. So all the sightseeing they did probably helped up their Instagram game and uh, getting some good pictures along the way. But the important thing is, is that we're, again, continuing to look at what did the first church do and how do we see that as a blueprint for us? How do we imitate uh, and value what they valued? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Um, We thank you for your calling on our lives, that uh, you have adopted us as your children into your family, that you've given us a name, you've given us an identity, you've given us a community, you've given us meaning and purpose, you've given us hope for this life and for the next life. Lord, you've done so much in us and we're so grateful. And Lord, help us to plumb the depths and to live into the reality of what it is you've called us to do. That we would not be confused, but that we would, be, we would have clarity and we would have vision and motivation to walk in your ways and to do your will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Chapter 14, verse 24. It says, Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. This is God's word. So right off the bat here again, we see a pattern. We're seeing the pattern of the early Christians, how they valued spreading the gospel. And we're specifically told that they passed through some areas. They passed through. There were some areas that they intentionally ignored in these these initial uh, missionary trips, these missionary journeys that they had. And I don't think it's because perhaps some strange members of their extended family lived in these areas and they just thought, I just can't go that close. Could be that. Uh, I guess that, that's sometimes a motivation. I don't think it's because they were enjoying their, their road trip mixtape so much that so they just couldn't stop. What we're told here is that they, uh, they passed through Pisidia, not on their agenda, not, not looking to stop there. They, they, when they got to the area of Pamphylia, what it tells us is, it tells us that actually the, pla- the two places that they declared the word were in Perga and Italia. Those two places, those are two cities, urban centers. And the second one is actually a port city. So um, 
a very influential place, close together actually geographically, but um, still two separate cities. And so what we see in the early leaders here, Paul and Barnabas, and we see this is, not, this is one example of it happening exclusively, that on their missionary journeys, their desire to spread the gospel, they went exclusively to urban centers, to cities. It was very important to them to do that. And actually, Jesus did something kind of similar to this. Um, in his ministry, he focused in, he was called to, re, as he said, reach the last sheep of, of the nation of Israel. So he came first to the Jews, and then his disciples were going to then spread that to the Gentiles. But even with that, Jesus, he went to the Samaritans. He went to, which was a controversial thing for him to do. Um, because there was a lot of conflict and tension between Jews and Samaritans. But Jesus went to these population centers and um, ministered mainly to, in populated areas. And so um, we see it with these early Christian leaders as well. They're prioritizing not just, not just being sent to these places, but where were they sent from? They were sent from Antioch. It was a major city, a major urban area. And they knew something. They understood that if you plant the gospel... And, and, you, and you, you start churches in these urban centers, in these places that are highly populated where people travel through, people come from all over the world. And that's where cultures form. That's where, lots of, that's where the population is most dense and where you've got most influence and impact. If you plant churches there, you can reach far more. You can, you can reach beyond just that place. You can reach a whole region. You can reach the whole world at the end of this. And that's a big reason why... Trinity Church is in Chicago. God called us to start this church in this city for this exact reason. Because of the pattern of the New Testament saints, the New Testament churches, seeing the significance. So it's an an honor, it's a privilege as Christians to be in this cultural urban center that's far from God, but we, we get to be here to shine a light, to have influence and impact beyond just what we might have in the flesh or what... Um, others may have because of the location that we're in. We need to be a little bit more like Batman who fought for the safety and redemption of Gotham, right? He fought for, I mean, he's not even doing it for Jesus. I mean, you've got people who love cities, not even for Jesus. So yes, I know we're supposed to be like Jesus most first and foremost, but we can be a little bit like Batman too and, and seek the redemption of our great city, and hopefully we can do that without running around at midnight with tide song, like Adam West's Batman would have to do. Okay, okay. So their mission, first and foremost, was to spread the word. That's what they were sent to do. Hey, you're going to send out, and you're going to declare the word. Now, of course, there's, the mission of God is bigger than just sharing the word. There's other things we do. We care for the poor and needy. We do other things as well. But but, but those things are always second place. The first, the most important thing, we talked about this last week, but we see it here again, this blueprint, this pattern in the early churches, the word is our mission. We've got to tell people about the grace of Jesus. If we're not doing that, then we're doing something wrong. That comes first and foremost. And so they did this short-term missionary trip. I guess it wouldn't have been too short-term for them. It would have travel took a little bit longer in their day and age. Um, we've done some... Not quite the same, but we've done some mission trips, right? We've sent some teams to, we have a sister church in Nairobi, Kenya, One Tribe Church. 
there, and we've sent, we used to send teams to go and to run kids' camps there and to support that church and uh, to be a blessing to, to that city and to that nation. And so, you know, people have done that. That's like a 10-day trip. You know, it's a little bit different to what they were doing here. Um, but, you know, there's a similar heart behind it, right? And the nations are here. Actually, the funny, the funny thing, did I get a word? Did someone just say word? Yes, it's working. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Who said that? Karen. I thought it came from somewhere over here, but way to go. You get the gold star. Man, I totally lost my train of thought. That was wonderful. The nations, they are here. And one of the, one of the joyful things about being in, in, in a city like ours is, is, is you know, we can have a heart for the nations. We want to be globally minded people, but also it means we don't always have to actually have to go away to other places, like on missionary journeys, because reaching people who have immigrated here actually can have a ripple effect through their family and through their social connections back home. That's, a, that's an amazing... We can do it now. That's, that's an incredible idea. And actually, the, the interesting thing about America, though, is that you know, culturally we're becoming less and less Christian, more and more secular, right? And so that's the existing population, but actually... Um, People that are moving here from other countries, you know, however they get here, tend to actually be um, more religious and specifically more Christian as well, and, uh, which, is, which actually is pretty exciting. That's a pretty exciting opportunity uh, that we have. But it's so it means that some of the big unreached people that we're around are actually people who have been here for many generations. And um, those people have drifted, um, or their, their family has drifted far away from God. And so it's an exciting opportunity that we have uh, to be here. And so um, as a church, you know, last week I talked a lot about, talked a little bit about Alpha and how I want the Alpha course to really be an engine of outreach in our church. And so part of being here in Chicago is shining the light of Jesus. And we want um, Alpha to become this central thing that we're doing as a church where all of our minds, all of our hearts, we're, we're thinking about it. We're, we're, it's, on, it's on our minds that throughout the year that even though we're not doing it all the time throughout the year, that we're saying this is such a central thing that we're doing to reach people. Because in our context, you know, street preaching, can God use that? Can God use the street preacher with his megaphone shouting at people? Of course he can. God can use anything. God can use absolutely anything. He can use a bumper sticker, use a street preacher. God can use anything. But are those the greatest ways to reach people in our context? Not really. Not, people oftentimes tune that stuff out. They, they ignore that kind of stuff. And so... What we, so Alpha is a great gift to us because it um, helps us to build genuine relationships with people and, and invite those people in in a, in a very non-threatening, welcoming way. And so, but to get there, so at the end of this year, as I talked about last week, we're going to be running another Alpha. So October, November, December is going to be our big outreach season for inviting people to Alpha. So that means... Right before that, September is when we're going to be extending our personal invitations to neighbors and family and friends and work colleagues and going for it. But to get to that point this year, to be on mission, remember the daily mission. We're not just sending the fancy gifted people away to another you know, nation to reach people. We're all on mission here. We've all got a heart for this here. Yes, we want to do that, but we've got to do it here. How can you expect to go across the world and around the world to win people to Jesus if you can't do it right here in our daily lives? So that's Alpha. That's what we're going to be doing uh, this year. But to get to that point, to get to the point where we're, every single one of us is extending those invitations and we've got faith, we've got people in our lives that we've built stronger connections with where we can, we can do that, we've got to be planting seeds early on. And the big gift 
that God has given us in our context, it's not street preaching. You could do that. It's nothing, nothing wrong with that. It's just not super effective. This surveying, and there's other things that are more direct. Yes, we can do some of that stuff. That's, that's fine. God can use some of that stuff. Here's the big gift that God has given to the whole church in the Western context to reach people. It's called hospitality. Hospitality. And that's actually what, that's what Alpha is. Alpha is hospitality. We're eating together. We're having a social time together. We're, having, we're laughing together. We're just listening to people. People have completely different perspectives, completely different experiences in life. And we're just listening to them. We're not trying to force them to believe something or make them agree with us. We're just listening, building that connection, building that rapport with people. Here's what I want to challenge us to all to be thinking about between now and the end of and, and September, October time is to be just to up our game with hospitality and to be really thinking and praying about how can I be somebody? How can I become a better host? How can I build more meaningful connections with my neighbors, my work colleagues, those I know, and, and bring them into my life in a way that I have that deeper connection with them? And this isn't as hard as we would think. You know, some people are going to be more gifted at hospitality than others, and that's okay. We don't have to ace this. We just have to do it a bit, right? Because God can bless it. And now, some, I know what some people are instantly thinking. They're thinking, well, I live in a small one-bedroom apartment or a studio apartment. Like, how can I have people over? And I will admit that is awkward. It's always awkward to invite people in. This is my house, and there's a bed right here. Like, that's something not right about that. But if you're a single guy, maybe have some you know, other guys over to play video games or whatever. I don't know. Um, what would ladies do? Have somebody over to play video games? What video games do women play? The same ones. All right, I'll get accused of being sexist later on. So, <laughs> that was not planned, by the way. Women can play video games too, it's true. Reminds me of a funny story with my sister-in-law when I totally whooped her at Mario Kart. She thought she could be me, but no. I played too much Mario Kart as a kid. All right. Hospitality. We're focusing on hospitality. So the point is, if you're somebody who's like, hey, I don't really have the means to have people in my home, to be a host, to, to, to um, reach out to people like that, I, I don't have a lot of opportunity. My opportunity to do that is limited. Then here's what you do is part of being a church family is you attach yourself. You're, you're in a small group. You're connected to others in the church. So you attach yourself to others who can do that kind of thing. And then the friends you have, neighbors you have, you say, hey, we're doing this thing, come hang out. We've got this thing going on, come hang out. So some opportunities we have this year, one coming up, I want to plant these seeds in our minds so we're thinking strategically through the, rest, through, through the big chunk of this first year, or the first chunk of this year, um, building towards the end of the year, that we're being hospitable. The first opportunity I think we have culturally is Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Is this difficult? to reach out to neighbors, coworkers, family, friends, people who live close by and say, we're just getting some people together to watch the Super Bowl. Bring something to share. We're just going to be hanging out. That's all it is. That's a, is that, how, how hard is that? Is that is that, that, that hard? No, not super hard. I know some, if we're not used to that, that might feel like a stretch, but not that hard. Now, if you're, again, if you're, the, if you're the studio apartment person, then you just find the person in the church who's hosting a, a Super Bowl party, get yourself invited, and then, but you bring a plus one or a plus two. You bring your buddies to it, right? And you say, you promise them some video games and, uh, for both men and women uh, cause, because we're, you know, very advanced here. <laughs> and what? I'm going to get canceled. My son is telling me I'm going to get canceled. 
the younger generation know about these things. Um, so uh, Super Bowl Sunday, actually any sporting event. If you've got friends, you know, people, neighbors who are into different things, how easy, there's tons of sporting things going on. Hey, we're watching it, watching the game, come on over, be a part of it. What about holidays? Different public holidays happening. Not every holiday works for this, but some can. What about Memorial Day? What about July 4th? What about um, Labor Day? What about cooking out, doing something, having people over? What about your birthday? You've got to treat yourself sometimes. <laughs> and what about... Now, if you're, if you're, you know, look, if you're a bit of a timid person, you don't like making much of yourself, then this is not for you. But, but, but if you're not that way, then... Throw yourself a great birthday party and, and invite your neighbors over. And for, I just got to tell you, for a lot of people, there's trauma around um, birthday parties. Uh, and, it, and we can heal it. We can bring the love of Jesus to people to heal this because as a kid, there was at least one birthday party that all of us weren't invited to and we really wanted to be. Is that true? Probably for most people. There's probably at least one birthday party that you were you're never invited to and you, and you found out about it and you're devastated. So now, here's what we can do is we can say, I want you to, how powerful is that? Come to my birthday party. That could be a healing moment for some neighbors, some friends, some people. Um, if you hate that idea, you're like, I don't want to spend my birthday with my neighbors. It's the worst idea ever. <laughs> Then just do it a week later. Do it, don't do it on your birthday. Just do it later. Just extend your, you know, have a, you know, turn it into a birthday month, right? Just plan something as some people like to do. Um, what about uh, National Donut Day? I believe the correct word is word, but that's all right. Yes, works as well. I'm just kidding. But, na- but whatever excuse we can come up with, if you, think, if you say, hey, it's National Donut Day, I've got three dozen donuts come on over, help me eat them, who's going to say no? I mean, obviously a diabetic person might, other people might. But you can get, you know, get the, the you can, I've got some fruit as well, or whatever it is. I've got other options for, for non-donut people. Whatever it is, the point is, hey, block party, get involved in running a block party, put on a block party, you know. Um, whatever the options are, let's be thinking about how can I extend hospitality to people? How can I do that? We used to have a lady in our church years ago who would do a Valentine, Valentine's Day brunch for um, single and I think it was both single and married women in the church. I'm trying to remember. But it was, you know, she figured out, her name is Chris Ann, amazing woman, amazing woman of God. She figured out that, you know, a lot of women are pretty disappointed around Valentine's Day. So she was like, I'm just going to get all these women together and we're going to have a great time. And what about reviving that? But inviting neighbors and other friends and other co-workers and say, hey, we're going to use this to extend some hospitality to people. Um, what, what, what do men do on Valentine's Day? Video games. Video games. <laughs> what, you know, Easter time, maybe uh, make Easter cookies. Is there such a thing as Easter cookies? Easter cookies for neighbors? Whatever it is, let's start sowing the seeds. I think, I think here's my, we've we got to rewire our minds about being on God's mission. And we have to see that hospitality is the tool, is the instrument that God has given us in our context, in our day and age, to build those bonds with people. And the more that we sow into that, and it's just fun anyway. Isn't it fun just to have people over some games and do some stuff? And I guess it may not be fun depending on who you have, and, but we can make it fun. And extending that, and then that sets us up 
actually to be loving these people, to be in their lives, to be caring about them. And if God would bless it, if God would give an opportunity, then I can extend that, that alpha invitation. And a helpful way to think about this actually is, uh, I've talked about this before in the past, but is to think about people as being green tomatoes or red tomatoes. All right? People are more than just a tomato, but think about it like this. Somebody who's a green tomato is somebody who's spiritually closed. You know, they're not, they're not ready. If you try to pull a green tomato off the vine, it's not going to budge. You know, it's, it's solid. It's, it's on there. It's connected. You know, it's, it's not ready. Um, but then you start to see those red spots appear, right? You say, oh, it's ripening up. I see some signs. There's something going on. And then one day you see it's red and it's just ready just to come right off. And there's an illustration there for us in we pray for everyone, we invest in everyone, we love everyone, but then there are moments where you, you start to see the work of God. You start to say, I see some red spots, or I see this ripening, and God's at work, God's doing something, and I want to be responsive to that. Because we don't force people. We're not, we're, not, we're not here to beat people over the head with the Bible. We're here to love people, and share, ultimately with the hope to share the word with them. So we want to be sowing those seeds. But, of course, as I mentioned, our mission goes beyond just that. Yes, that's a glorious thing to see people come to Jesus, but our mission extends beyond that. So we want to care, continue to care for the poor and the needy, the downcast, the vulnerable. We do that through our um, connection with Chicagoland Prison Outreach. We do that through other means. We have, we have other ways of doing that. We do that in our personal lives, just our personal connections we have with people. We do that. Um, in small groups, we do that as well. But you know, that's something we, we should never lose that as a church. And what I tend to find is that you, in our context, you tend to see some Christians say like, you, know, it's only, you only have to preach the gospel. You only share the word. That's all it is. If you just do that, then everything else is great. And well, But then you have, on the other side, you have Christians who say, no, we just need to do, we just serve the poor and the needy. We just do that. That's the big thing. That's the main thing. And, and you have those two sides of it. Now ask yourself, are you, which side are you on? Which side do you tend to be on? Here's the Bible's version of this. Because that's a false dichotomy. The Bible is, do both. You always do both. You do both. But the word does come first. That is a really important distinction. If you reverse it, and your ministry to the poor takes over and comes first, then what happens is, and you see this in church after church, organization after organization, over time, you diminish the true core of your Christian faith. You actually lose the message because you've made the, the, the first thing is not, should not be the first. The first thing should be the word. And then a second close thing is ministry to the poor and the needy and the vulnerable in that order. And so align yourself around how the Bible shows us how to do this. And then, but there's also our mission extends beyond just those things as well. And this is something that probably has taken me a long time to really let this sink in and become clearer what this means and how I live this out in my own life but it is to see, for each of us to see our work, all of our activity, as a vo- not just as a career, but as a vocation. No matter what work you do, no matter if you've got some big, high-flying, fancy job, or you work at CVS, or whatever it is you do. You're, you're, you're a trash collector. You're a plumber. Whatever it is, if you do that, or you're somebody who, you know, you're, an air, you're, you're a pilot, you fly planes, or you're a doctor, or whatever it is. To see work as a gift from God, as a vocation, which means it's bigger than just a career, it's a calling that I have. That I, I, I do my work so that, a big reason I do my work is so that I can be righteous and ethical, so I can bring 
morality into my workplace. I can be salt and light in this workplace. That's a big part of being on God's mission as I shine this light in my workplace by being ethical, doing the, living out the way of Jesus in my workplace. And so that another part, dimension to it as well as that I'm here to solve problems. Christians, we should see ourselves as problem solvers. Hey, the, pro- the, world's full of, the world's full of evil, full of suffering. We're here to alleviate it. We're here to shine the light into it. We're, we're here to help take off the shackles and the burdens that people face that might find their true meaning in Christ. And that's even just showing up to work on a Monday morning and doing a good job is part of Christian mission. Of course, we hope that we can share our faith with those that we work with. Of course, that'd be wonderful. But in Genesis, at the beginning, beginning of the Bible, what does God tell the people he made? Go forth, multiply, fill the earth, work it, cultivate it. Create, he's basically saying create culture, create things, tend to it. And so out of that emerge all the different fields of study and all the different forms of work come out of that. And that's God's mandate, God's initial mandate, God's initial mission to us of how we're to live in the world. And this is part of God's renewing work. We need to start to see all of our activity, whether it's we're, we're, it's, it's we're, we're doing hospitality or, hey, we're in a small group or I'm here at church on a Sunday or you know, I'm, I'm traveling on some trip somewhere else. Or whatever it is I'm doing, it's all God's renewing work. I'm here to breathe life where there is death. I'm here to bring resurrection power where things have been destroyed and buried. I'm here to, to, to bring them out of the grave just as Jesus did. That's what I do as a Christian. That's part of my mission. It's all under the umbrella of God's mission. Otherwise, we can kind of get down on ourselves and say, well, I'm not really living out a fruitful Christian life because I'm not sharing my faith enough. Or I'm not doing these things enough. And we get down on ourselves and actually we're missing that there's a whole array of things that God has called us to do. So yes, Sunday morning might be one of the highest, most, most joyful expressions of our Christian faith or of worship, but Monday morning is worship too. Monday morning is worship too. Just showing up and doing a good job is worship to God. Now after this mission, so they get sent on this missionary journey, their main goal is to share the word. The church in Antioch is on mission. People there are on mission. So they send these guys off on a new mission. So everyone's on this awesome mission. But after they, they, they return, after they're done with their missionary journeys, they return back to Antioch, back to this city that they came from, back to their base. And it's really important that we see ourselves as having a base, that we see ourselves as people who are rooted and who are established in a church family, in a church community. And it says, actually, the last part of the verse here, it says, and they spent no little time, and they remained no little time with the disciples. So they spent a lot of time at Antioch. They stayed there. They were fellowshipping. We talked a lot about fellowship last week as well. There is joy and safety in being rooted and established and having deep connections in a base, having a, a base church. This is my base. This is how I view my life. That this is where I come back to. This is where I am sent from and where I come back to. Everything else is connected to that. And we want to be not just a base church, but we want to be a based based church. We want to be based, right? As the teenagers are saying these days, no one knows what based means. This just shows you how in touch I am with youth culture. Look up based. It's a great new word. You're going to love it. Andrew knows. Andrew knows. He's nodding his head over there. 
Based. Based means, what does based mean? Okay, based, it's changed its meaning. Now the meaning is that you are confident in who you are. And you, don't, you, don't, you don't care about other people's opinions. What you're doing, you're, you're just confident in, in who you are and what you're doing. And you're like, kind of forget other people. Not that you're being mean about it, but you're... And so if you see someone doing that, then the new phrase is, that's based. So we want to be a based, we want to be a, a based, base church. Totally based, epically based, awesomely based. This is the reason you guys come on Sundays, I know, for me to teach you these glorious things. <laughs> it's glorious. It is glorious. Can I get a word? Word. Um, <laughs> Sunday is the first day of the week, right? So we want to see our weeks as being, yes, we, we, we gather together, base church, that's where we get together, and we then we're filled up, we're, we're, we're worshiping God, we're serving together, we're making much of Jesus, but we, we get sent out throughout the week. We have, we have a small group as well and other things happening, but we get sent out into the world, just like being sent on a missionary journey, but we always come back to our base. We always come back to the headquarters. That's another way maybe you could describe it. That's our house. That's our home. It's our, our base. Where is, in terms of your mentality, where's your base? Where's your recharge station? Where's your gas station? Where do you have to go back to to say, this is where I get fueled up? Where is it? Where is it in your heart? What fills you up in that way? We, we want to ask God for this mentality that, that we would see church as a base, that it's an essential thing for us to come back to. They spent no little time there. They spent no little time there. They realized we have to be deeply rooted, deeply connected here. That's what gives us the vitality and the power and and the energy that we need to go out on mission, because mission is hard. Reaching people farthest from God, that's hard. It's, it's difficult to do that. So we're always on that mission. And of course, God is our ultimate base, but we're called the house of God for a reason. We're called the household of God for a reason. We're called the body of Christ for a reason that we come back. We want that mentality. This is where I get charged up. I, as a kid, I used to play the game back to base. And I think it's just the English version of tag. And just a different name. I think it's the same thing. But essentially, you would have a base. So it could be a tree or a bench or a picnic bench or like a, a, a part of a wall or some area, some object, something, trash can. It could be anything. It could be something, a fence, whatever it is. This is the base. And if you get back to base, you're safe. No one can tag you. You're not, it's called it. The other thing we called it was it. It's also a scary movie. Different thing. And what would happen is a kid would eventually get too far away from base and then the, 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 the main kid who's, who's tagging people is super fast and he'll corner somebody. And then what would, invariably what would happen is every, every so often, I probably did this a couple of times too, but every so often some kid would try to argue that, oh no, all trees are base. <laughs> or all benches are base or whatever. It's, no, that, that's not the rule. That's not, the, that's not what we agreed on. That's not the definition of the base. You can't argue that the base is over there. That's the base is over there. So as Christians, let's not do, let's, let's not play games. Let's not change the rule. There's not other bases to go back to, to be recharged in, to be where we find our identity. This is where we find our identity. Together as God's people, we, we come as brothers and sisters. We're brothers and sisters 
God's children, adopted. We've been added in. And so there's a thrilling identity that we have that we see, this is my base, I'm coming back to base. We don't get calling it off somewhere else and have to come up with some other excuse, like, no, this is my base. No, 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 that's not the base. Why was it so important that Paul and Barnabas were rooted at Antioch? They were sent from there, they returned to there, and they spent a lot of time there. It's at Antioch that their gifting was recognized. That the church there said, we've got to send these guys off on this mission. That's where they were identified as leaders in the first place. And for us to become all that we can be, for us to grow into the mission of God, to grow as disciples of Jesus, for us to grow into all of that is we, we have to be in a community that's training us and shaping us. How, otherwise, how can we know if we're on track, if we're really heading in the right direction? How can we know how we need evaluation, we need feedback, we need help from other people? Sometimes we overestimate ourselves. Sometimes we think we're all that. We think we're pretty great. And we need a community, we need some people in kindness around us to be like, <laughs> pull us down a little bit, ground us a little bit. Sometimes we need that. Other times we underestimate ourselves. We doubt ourselves and think, oh, I couldn't do that. Or what do those people think of me? Or, and we need a community to, to, to look and say, no, 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 you've, you've got amazing potential. You've got, you, this, we see more in you. you. Of course you could do that. Of course God's got this for you. Step out. Like we, we need both, sometimes, different times we need both of those things. And I want us to get a vision to have the same spirit as Paul and Barnabas. Yes, they're kind of in this high-level leadership role, and that's not everyone can fill those roles, and not everyone's called to those kind of positions, but we're all called to have the same spirit, the same willingness to be shaped by God, to be stirred by God, to be used by God, to be rooted and, and established so that our giftings can be recognized and so that we can be stretched in responsibility and so that we can still value taking responsibility for things and value leadership and value those things, even though that looks different for different people at different times. This small group semester, I got a bit greedy and I recruited three assistant leaders for my small group. So I'm excited. I've got Mark and Jaffet and Gay Durst, who's our online host, and I've got three. Uh, I'm excited What's, what God's going to do this semester. I'm going to stretch you guys. I'm going to stretch you guys. I'm going to stretch. Gay's going to get stretched. And so we're going to, I want, I want, you know, I've got a vision for this. Like, hey, I want to see people take on more responsibility and, and grow and, and become more than what they could have imagined to be a blessing to others and, uh, and to see how God can use them. And this matters so much because as Christians, you know, it's the Jesus thing, right? It gets back to the Jesus thing where we're always trying to, oftentimes we start off with, seeing what's wrong with everyone else, especially new Christians can oftentimes get very energetic and very passionate about everything that's wrong with every, all other Christians. And that's where the Jesus thing is so helpful. It's like, no, 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 take the log out of your own eye first before you try and take the speck out of your brother's eye, right? That's, that's the right way around. And so, but the reason leadership is so important or taking on more responsibility and serving, it starts with serving others, is so important is that we, as we serve, we grow. And as we grow, we mature. And as we become more like Christ, we want, to, we want to have a desire to get to a place where we say, I've grown more than what I used to be, and now I'm in a position where I can help other people. God's done enough in me. I'm not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But I've had enough growth where now I can start pouring that out to help other people. Because people need a lot of help, right? We all need a lot of help. So we want to have that vision to really value leadership. And the, the deeper we go, the deeper we're rooted and established in a, a base the more glorious the outcome can be because there's safety there, there's encouragement there, there's community there, there's support there. We can fail forward 
in this kind of environment. You know, it's safe. It's safe to try stuff and it not go well, to do things and be like, oh, I goofed that up. It's like, that's all right. Don't worry about it. We've all been there. But you're growing. Actually, you can't grow unless you try stuff. So we want that kind of, that kind of vision. To, before we go, we're grounded. We've got to be grounded so we can go. If we're grounded, then we can go well. Think about it like this. When you have a success in life or an accomplishment or something, a blessing, something good happens, you want to share it with people, right? You want to tell somebody about it because it means so much to you. And, but, and you could just tell anyone. But it means the most when you share it with people who you have the most affinity with, right? People you know you're on the same page with. It mean, that means the most. I want, I want these people. To, of course, I want everyone to know, but I really want these people to know. And that's what church is. That's actually what they did in this passage, right? Where it says that they, they were commended to the grace of God. And they, they gathered, the, they gathered that's, that's the part I'm looking for, is in verse 27, it said they, they gathered the church together and they declared all that God had done with them. How he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. They were so excited, so jazzed about what God, how God had opened the door to them. They gathered everyone together and they were sharing the story. That is why it's so important to come back to base. One of the big reasons that we hear the testimonies of what God has done. At small group, we get to share, God did this in me this week. God's always doing stuff in each one of us. On Sundays, we, every Sunday, we try and have uh, a testimony, try and have a, um, hear from somebody about, their, about what God is doing in their life. Last, at the end of uh, last year, we had Michelle Locke actually share her experience of um, giving in the Christmas offering. And by the way, if you didn't hear last week, our total of our Christmas offering is $20,507, which is awesome. So we smashed through our goal. So thank you so much to everybody who, who gave. Um, it means so much. I know God will bless it. I was already blessing it. We had Michelle Locke share their testimony, their family. They felt God calling them to be stretched, to give in a significant way to that offering. And uh, then she shared about how God honored them and blessed them um, with that, um, that step of faith that they took. And that, that's, hey, that's why we get come back to base, is to hear those stories. We don't, we, we grow as we, our faith grows as we, as we hear those stories, you know, no, no man is an island. We can't just do this thing by ourselves. We've got to hear the stories of what God is doing. We don't do it to show off. We do it because we're commended to the grace of God. We're actually given over. It says that in this verse, that they, the Paul and Barnabas, they were, they've been commended to the grace of God for the work they've been called to fulfill. Now, we talk about the grace of God all the time. Two words that help describe the grace of God, the word gift and the word favor. Gift. It's a free gift. That's what grace is. Forgiveness of sins, it's a free gift. It comes to us by God's radical kindness, but also favor, that God favors us. And so these people were commended by, to the grace of God for the mission that they've been called upon. That means that it's not just the free gift of salvation that is grace to us. It's not just favor with things that is grace to us, but it's also the calling we have, the vocation we have. Caring for the poor and needy, being on mission, sharing our faith, winning people to Jesus, that is a gift of grace to us. That's an amazing way to think about that. What an honor, what a privilege to be commended to the grace of mission. That we actually need, we need, we need to live into the purpose of being on God's, being, being missionaries, being sent on God's journey into the world to reach people who are far from God. And that is actually, it, it's not like, as Christians, we've got to reframe it in our minds. We can't be thinking like, oh no, I've, you know, I'm just so nervous about this. I just don't like doing this kind of stuff. And oh, this is such a stretch for me. We actually have to think, this is grace to me. This is a gift to me. This is God's favor 
upon me, that I'm commended to the work of God. And it's all by his grace. Trinity Church, we have been commended to the grace of God, the mission that he's called us to here in Chicago, to shine this light, to be a presence for him in this place. We want to respond to this calling that we have. We want to remember that grace is that free gift to us, being commended to the grace of God, that we relate to God because of his sheer kindness to us. If you don't know Jesus, you haven't come into his family, then tell us today if you want to come in. You can mark it on the back of your Connect card or I'll be out in the lobby. You can talk to me afterwards or talk to any of our leaders here. Let us know. Don't wait another day to do that. But for those of us who are already in the faith, let's, look in, let's accept the reality and live into the reality that we have been favored by God, that God wants us to succeed at the calling he has for us. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to go out into the world, share his word and shine his light, and that he wants to bless that. He wants that to be fruitful. And there is a gift of grace. We're commended to the grace of God for the work that we fulfill. That it is God's kindness to us that we actually have a mission. Because if you know anything about human beings, if we don't have something to do, we're destructive. Our culture has lost God. And in a godless culture, you'll strive for anything to fill that hole. You'll, in fact, you'll believe in anything. If you don't believe in God, you'll believe in anything else to fill that desire. And so it is such a gift of grace to us that God says, I've got all this purpose for you. I've got all this work for you. I've got all this mission for you to be on. This renewing work, breathing life. As we go out from here, we, we should see the light of God shining on the things around us and say, that's something I can bring to life. That's, something I can, that's a problem I can solve. That's a person I can bless. That's something I can do. Sometimes that will be sharing my faith. Sometimes that will be helping somebody in need. Sometimes that will be doing a really great job in my vocation. Whatever it might be, I'm living with this renewing work that I'm bringing resurrection life to things. That's the gift that God has given us. I thank God that I can wake up every day and know I've got an important mission from God today. What a gift. What a gift. Because life is hard. Life is disappointing and tragic. But what a grace gift to us that we can wake up saying, I'm on God's mission today. So Trinity Church, this is our big thing. We're going to surge this year. And here's what I want us to surge in. I want us to surge in hospitality. Whether it's video games, whoever you are, whatever it might be, to surge in showing that kindness, that relational blessing to others who don't know. How can we bring them in? How can we bring them into our lives in such a way that we're just showing love to them and extending that kindness to them? Let's reflect on that. Let's turn our hearts to God. Let's